everyone, and welcome to another show of Doja Live, the final show for this week, this Thursday, October 27th, 2022. My name is Kim Lantis, and it's my pleasure to be hosting today along with America Guerrero. Hey. Hi, America. How are you doing? Fine. I was waiting for my face to show up, so yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Perfect. And who are we going to be conversing with today? We're very excited to introduce Sean Hinton, who is the CEO at Sky Hive. Thank you for joining us, Sean. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, America. And happy to be here. Yeah, it's going to be a really, really great conversation, something that I think is interesting to everyone, and that is human capital. But before we get into the topic of conversation, we'd really like to get to know you a bit better. Sean, if you could tell us your story, your passions, and kind of what's led up to your time with Sky Hive. Thank you. Sure. Uh, so Sky Hive is chapter three of my career. Um, I am Canadian, uh, born and raised in, in Canada, but uh, have lived all over the world. Um, chapter one of my career, I spent as a labor economist, and my area of expertise was career mobility. So I would work with um, companies through HR, you know, uh, leadership, uh, governments, uh, training and in institutions, and uh, developing programs, policy around uh, moving people more fluently through their uh, careers, uh, fluidly through their careers. Um, I took a very natural uh, turn and became, uh, went into the private sector and became uh, president of the world's largest water park company, uh, a company called Whitewater West. How um, fun is that? <laughs> yeah, I like to say that Skyhive is the, the best, you know, that that, that that was the second best job in the world uh, other than Skyhive. And, and, and so I spent uh, about eight years uh, building out the international markets for the company and eventually running the company. And um, Whitewater was the world's largest developer of water parks. So they do all the architectural design for parks, uh, attractions design, attractions engineering, and, and uh, manufacturing and construction project management. So clients like Disney, Six Flags, Carnival yes. Cruise Lines, et cetera. Uh, and then I started Skyhive in, in 2016. And, and so started originally in Vancouver. And now Skyhive is in Silicon Valley, New York, Dublin, Tokyo, and, and Seoul. Wow, absolutely completely global, uh, like your story. I, I love it. Well, that's that's amazing. So let's learn a little bit more about Sky Hive. Who are you? What's the problem that you're solving? So in 2016, um, I was perfectly happy doing what I was doing I, I, with the water park company. And, and I was in Dubai for an extended period of time. And I decided um, to take two days and attend the Congress of the Young Presidents Organization. So I'm a member of YPO. They, they host an annual Congress where all members from across the world uh, gather. And that year they were hosting it in Dubai. Um, at 10 o'clock in the morning on the first day of the conference, uh, uh, I attended a panel that was, uh, uh, the panelists were a group of Syrian women who had escaped Syria during the civil conflict and were uh, living in the refugee camp in Lebanon. And they spoke to us about the atrocities of the treatment of women during the Syrian crisis. And, and I had a profound stream of consciousness uh, leaving that session that I wanted to begin to focus my efforts and energy on doing something impactful for the planet. So although building water parks was a very profitable business and one where a lot of people had fun, uh, putting fiberglass all over the world, the planet was not necessarily my definition of impact. And so this was really the genesis for 
uh, starting Sky Hut. That's a, that's amazing, and this is part of a large part of what really motivates the Dojo Live Show is we this storytelling, right? This connection that's made by stories, and just to see the impact of these women sharing their story and how it impacted your life, and then you know business and offshoots. It's fantastic. I would never ever underestimate the power of a story. That's amazing. So, so let's talk about the, the topic that you chose today specifically and some of the insight and what you've learned over this last, let's say, what, six years? Yes. The topic is the human capital operating system for essential insights into the most valuable part of your business. So please share with us why this topic is important for today's show. So when I, I, I set down the path um, of, you know, wanting to do something impactful for the world, it became very clear to me that I had a purpose to reskill the world. And what that means is, you know, at that time, purpose was defined for me very differently. It was no longer an academic exercise that I would write on a whiteboard and, and describe what my purpose was. It's an unending love affair with solving a big problem. And the problem that I chose to solve uh, in, in absolute gratitude to those women who had uh, inspired me in Dubai was to reskill planet Earth. And I was asking myself the question, why do we have access to the most advanced computing power available in the world's history at the lowest cost to access it? Yet if I ask somebody, what are your skills? A very basic question. People would have a very difficult time answering that question. And if I ask somebody a question, which is how do the skills that you've acquired in your work experience, life experience, and educational experience, in other words, your skill DNA, of which every human being on the planet has a unique skill DNA because we've all had different experiences in life, even twins will have different pathways and experiences. How does that unique skill DNA um, match to the changing nature of work and desired career pathways? And there was no way of solving that problem. And, and so I developed a methodology called quantum labor analysis, which is the application of artificial intelligence to analyze a workforce at its most granular level. So very okay. si simply put, we've built what you can think of as the Google for the world labor economy. It's tracking everything going huh. on in real time and machines are bringing it down to the most granular level of skills. And it was just at that time that the World Economic Forum, you know, was making the statement, the world is moving from job-based to skill-based. And, you know, how do you actually go through that process of moving from a, a traditional world of job descriptions and credentials into uh, a far more granular denominator of skills? And so Skyhive was established as the human capital operating system which is helping companies and communities, as well as individuals, move from a job-based world to a skill-based world through its operating system. That's absolutely fantastic. And I'm really, really interested in knowing exactly how this works, the type of skills that you're tracking for, even how skills are tracked. I mean, what's coming to my mind is something like, like LinkedIn or that type of thing. But at the same time, most of that is dependent upon our own perception of ourselves, our own skill set, which I think we miss sometimes. We, we don't even realize some of the talents that we might have or we're afraid to say it. 
um, or, you know, imposter syndrome and other types of things. So it's really, really interesting conversation. But I do want, before we move further into this conversation, to really tap into the most valuable part of your business. Now, I think the obvious answer here is that that's people, right? The human component. Um, but can you hit on that just a little bit more? Like why, why are people the most important, the most valuable rather part of a business? So if you ever look at uh, the pillars of the economy, you know, land, labor, capital, um, and, you know, we look at the composition of what feeds those pillars, everything goes back to labor. Um, and I'll tell an interesting sort of example. So the country of Sweden uh, a few years ago decided that it wanted to become a world leader in green, uh, the green economy. And so the government of Sweden uh, developed a bunch of, you know, economic policy and incentives to bring people from all over the world, new ideas, new companies, new foreign direct investment into Sweden. Um, and they were hugely successful. So a whole bunch of organizations moved into Sweden and then they realized about six months later, we don't actually have the talent in Sweden to fill the buildings and to actually contribute the knowledge that needs to go into all of this great momentum. And so it's stalled. And to me, that's a perfect example of why a workforce and the people that comprise that workforce are so important to the functioning, not only of a company, but of a society at large. The problem we have today is if we asked, you know, if we took a survey of 100,000 people, 100,000 youth under the age of 20 years old, and they had not yet chosen their desired career pathway, and we said, how many of you would like to be a social worker or a, 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 a nurse on a night call or um, a public school teacher? Very few people are going to raise their hand. The problem is, is that these roles are fundamental to the functioning of any society, and we are never going to be able to produce the data scientists, the robotic surgery, you know, sort of programmers and supervisors of the future if we don't have the core of any community in place with respect to skill set. So people are the answer to all of it. And how does it work exactly? For example, I'm thinking of me as an individual. I'm looking to explore my skills. So maybe there is like another kind of opportunity out there. With Sky Hive, how does it work? Do you provide a network? Do you provide like courses so you can improve on something so you can find another industry? Or how does it work? Or what is the data that you're, you're kind of scraping? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, before... If you ever wanted to consider, you know, your career pathways, you'd go to a, a high school guidance counselor or a career counselor within a college. Or Mr. Gates, he still has a very awesome place in my heart. <laughs> That's right. And, and Mr. Gates would sit down and with his understanding of what's happening in the labor economy, he'd provide you with advice uh, and guidance to helping you pursue your career. My view was when I wanted to reskill the world was I... I wanted to completely democratize um, the, that process for people. And so you can see with your own eyes and explore your own options with respect to a career pathway. 
And so our engine, as I said, is, is, I mean, we're maintaining now over a petabyte of data. Now, there's not a lot of people who understand data. That is a huge yeah, amount. Yeah, I don't of, know. I, mean, I don't think I've ever heard the term petabyte, to be honest. Exactly. And, and so there are probably 20 companies on the planet that have actually applied this level of, of, of data and, and intelligence to uh, any sort of problem. And so, um, and within that petabyte of data, we've actually revealed that there are 130 million career pathways that are happening all at the same time. 130 million career pathways. And what our technology does is it breaks everything down into skills. And so if America, you have your skill DNA, you can say, okay, these are my skills, which is what SkyHive helps you uh, understand through your skill profile or your skill passport. And now the machines automate, what is your match in real time across all 100, 130 million of those career pathways. So maybe you're an 86% match to a job. Maybe you're a 26% match to a job. And you can have that visibility. Now, when you are able to see that visibility, you're able to see the gaps. And the gaps will be very clear to you. You have these skills. You don't have these skills. And then what we do is we aggregate all of the incredible learning content that's being developed by, you know, the Udemy's and the Coursera's and the LinkedIn learnings and, and others. And we bring that into the platform and boil that all down to skills and say, OK, America, if these are the gaps that you want to fill, the new skills that you want to collect, here's the training to go and do that. And now you don't have to worry about um, having to second guess these decisions that that automation is happening in real time. So as jobs are changing, skills are changing and, and labor economies are changing, you're able to see that happening in real time. So to take a different perspective to it, if I were building curriculum in a college or university to train people, I would have the exact same examination. The, the course that I need includes these skills. These will fill these jobs. And how do I make sure that my courses are the most up to date in the world in, in being ready to prepare learners and workers for the future? Wow. And I think that's, that's amazing because it helps the individuals and it also helps the institution, like you were referring to earlier, to help mold and, and create these individuals that, that we need. Is, I'm sorry. Is there also some overlap in terms of not just the, the career path, but the actual places like in terms of company job positions um, that I could apply for is that connect being made as well exactly and so exactly what we do with training we do with jobs and so all of the jobs that are available in your community so for example we have a, a really amazing partnership with um, an organization called jobs first New York City and they help support uh, 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 youth and, and other types of workers in the, in, the, in the boroughs of New York with getting community level uh, training and, and access to employment. Mm -hmm. And so we're now mapping communities down Beautiful. to the community or neighborhood level in real time and helping people within those communities understand what are the skills that are in demand in the community and how do I take the actual skills to getting you know, those jobs. Um, and, and so exactly what we're doing with training, we're doing with jobs. Interesting. And I, I understand too, on like a global scale in terms of an organization who's doing something that's very niche and maybe they'd be surprised like, wow, you can actually find people with this exact skill set, and who knows, I don't know, Somalia or something like you start there. This would be a great place to set up a headquarters or, or something that maybe you never even had thought of before. 
Absolutely. We have a lot of our, uh, our company clients, our enterprise clients that work with us on uh, what we call localization strategies, which mm-hmm. is saying, where is the talent? Very similar to what I had expressed earlier about yeah. Sweden. Where yeah. is the talent and how can we make sure that we're uh, putting our company and our infrastructure into communities? Yeah, the eggs are in the right basket. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. And what in terms of like satisfaction in your petabyte of data, are you finding in, in terms of not only the laborers, the, the human capital, the people, but also where they're being plugged into? Are you finding that people are more satisfied with their choices in terms of fulfillment in their careers and also just that output in terms of who they're working with and for as well? Yeah, so really it, it goes to that, that word that I use, democratization, or we can put it another way, we can call it agency. So what it means is it's giving you the decision-making to make your own choices about the training, the learning, it's and the jobs empowering. that you know. Right, and so we uh, see incredible data and in response because people now have that visibility themselves at the touch of their fingertips. They don't have to rely on managers sort of expressing to them, here's what's going to happen to you or sort of bias. I mean, that's another mm-hmm. element of Skyhive where we are a, a strong public proponent of the ethical use of artificial intelligence. And mm-hmm. so we're members of the Responsible AI Institute. I served for two years on the inaugural uh, Global Partnership for AI, which was 26 countries that were coming okay. together for uh, developing frameworks for ethical AI. So um, that point on agency and democratization is extremely powerful. Understood. Thank you. Let's let's tap into, I think we've already probably touched on these, but I would like to get this a bit more structured in terms of the four essential insights. Uh, what are, if you could list these out, the one, two, three, four essential insights that you found to be um, part of this, you know, human capital element? Yeah, so um, if I can boil it down to four things that the world is asking and why they come to Skyhive, the four things are, what are the skills of my workforce today at an individual departmental and company-wide level or even a country level? That's number one. Number two, what are the skills and jobs that are emerging in the external labor economies, within my industry, within my geography, or within uh, my competition? that are going to impact my workforce now and into the future. Number three, what are the gaps to what I have today and what's emerging? And number four, how do I leverage learning and development, change management, workforce planning to bridge those gaps at pace and at scale? I I have a question. Um, Me, I'm a university student, so I constantly see that my teammates or there are other uh, like me students that they don't know what they want to they don't know their skills they don't know what to do uh, after university so my question is how do you obtain the information when there is no information so we spent um, four years aggregate aggregating the world's digital data right Um, And so anything where there's a digital profile or a digital piece of information that's giving us a a, a reflection of skills. And we have, you know, tens of thousands of sources of that information. But exactly to your point, like right now, 62% of the world's population is connected to the Internet. 
by the end of this decade, 100% of the world's population will be uh, connected to the internet. So just to give you another statistic, prior to COVID, it was 49% or 47%. What? And that's, that's a huge the, jump. That's a huge jump. And that's the pace that the world is moving. So that, what that represents for us is the single greatest moment in time from an abundance perspective to help connect people to training and, and, and job mm -hmm. opportunities. In other words, the, the, the part of the world that is not yet connected to the internet, they don't have a local community where they can go down and apply for a job at the local department store or yeah. at the bank. The only way that they're going to access opportunity is digitally. <laughs> and what's happening in parallel with this is that we are seeing the explosion of a, uh, in a good way of a, of a uh, digital labor market. And what does that mean? It means that I am working online to provide a product or service digitally that is paid for digitally. So there's no, there's no you know, employment that's happening in a physical context, right? That uh, market today is $6.5 trillion of GDP, which is the equivalent of the sixth largest economy in the world. And as a result of COVID and a lot of movement towards contingent labor, nomad labor, you know, and entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. that number is only going to continue to climb rapidly. So let's say it's something more like eight trillion as opposed to six and a half trillion uh, when we get to the to the end of the um, to the end of the decade. So we have this intersection now of this massive digital labor market coupled with more pretty much half the world's population coming online. In, in these 10 years, which to me represents the single greatest opportunity for abundance um, that exists in connecting people with reskilling and with work. Now, the, going back to your question, America, as to, well, how do you reach the people that are not yet digital? And so about a year ago, Skyhive started um, uh, uh, doing, uh, doing initiatives that were collecting analog data that is not yet digital. So for example, the largest uh, talent marketplace in Ghana happens at Sunday church. More than a million people convene for their church service and they exchange work opportunities and they do that through SMS or through WhatsApp. So Skyhive has built widgets that are being integrated into these technologies that are now able to capture and digitize the, the type of labor market activity going on that is not yet digital. We've also uh, retained a significant crowdsourcing effort across the world where crowdsourced uh, members of the crowdsourced community take pictures of job ads, pictures of classified ads, et cetera. And then we're digitizing that and mapping it across the entire world. So you can think of this as like, you know, the Google car that's driving around getting the, the pictures for Google Maps. Uh, that's similar, you know, uh, it's an analogy to what we're doing at Skyhive with the labor market. It's really beautiful. And tapping back into this word, I think maybe this is the third or fourth, fifth time we've used it, democratization, bringing in countries like Ghana and opening up, up opportunities, global opportunities for people who might not have ever had access to them. But I want to tap back into something that you mentioned earlier with your four essential insights, and that's the forecasting component. And as we're talking about, you know, 100% of the world's population digitizing, increase in, you know, knowledge workers and digital workers, what about the forecasting for those gaps that still need a physical human component and maybe a loss 
of those essential skills, you know, things like agriculture and construction, mechanics, um, those are kind of what's coming to my mind. Um, how do you have that sort of in your own, you know, gauge? Are you looking at that or how, how can we strike, make sure that we keep this balance, that it doesn't become 100% digital or is that the goal? Are there, you know, let's talk to that a little bit. Yeah, so fundamentally, um, Skyhive, you know, we've established the philosophy with governments and, and with, with companies that uh, reskilling the, the world or a company or a community at pace and at scale is only achieved through a combination of what I call art and science. So you can have the best technology in the world, you know, Skyhive running information and, and all of these things, but if you don't actually enable the practitioners, the artists, the HR professionals, the teachers, the mentors, the coaches, the, you know, the people who are actually holding the hands of taking people through a reskilling journey, um, you're not going to be successful with reskilling at pace and at scale. The, the labor markets are moving way too fast um, and, and simply relying on a technology is not going to be, um, is not going to be sufficient. So then the question becomes, how do we arm the practitioners with the best information available for them to rapidly make the changes. And let's say one of those practitioners is government. And let's say we're seeing a shortage of uh, nurses. Uh, for example, in Canada, there's a, uh, now over 250,000 uh, shortage of uh, uh, roles, shortage of nurses. Wow. And so what we do is we, pre we prepare the data for governments to understand you, right now, it's 250,000. Six months ago, it was 230,000. In six months, it's going to be 270,000. And unless you start with economic development incentives to helping communities understand, you know, we need to increase wages or we need to increase benefits in health and wellness, et cetera, how do you start to compose a job that's more representative of modern times and ensure that you're getting a good pool of candidates and a good pool of talent into those roles. And of course, education connects to this as well, because education are, are the ones that are providing the skill sets for these occupations. And so never before has there been the availability of data to show the problem clearly, simply, yeah. and say, how do you come together and align your efforts towards solving these gaps? And I think you just mentioned two two of the biggest, if not the biggest players, right? Government and education. And it makes me think like in terms of your nursing example and the education role, <laughs> maybe I'm probably, this is probably a gross generalization and a reflection of my um, kids these days mentality, but you know, not everybody can be a YouTuber or a TikToker. And it feels to me that that that's the aspiration of a lot of youth today. And to be able to have these numbers, have these projections and bring it back. And I think even express this urgency of these gaps that maybe aren't here yet, but will be. And it's extremely important for society as a whole and how, you know, maybe we can use that insight, bring that motivation into the educational system to, you know, create a renewed sense of interest in the next generation of laborers, right? Yeah, I mean, if you look at sort of, you know, the influencer generation, I mean, this can be, you know, analogous to, you know, one's desire to be a rock star back in the 70s or to be a Hollywood movie star in the 80s and 90s. Um, the reality is, is that many try and, and a fraction of a few succeed. And there's going to be a race to the bottom 
So, you know, you may have a handful of influencers that are earning, you know, enough income to survive, but the vast, vast 99.999% majority are, are not surviving on, on that type of um, uh, career aspiration. So uh, ultimately at the end of the day, some, you know, somebody's going to have to look at what are the, what are, what are the 130 million career pathways and what, where do I fit and how do I begin to go into that process? The the school of hard knocks. (laughs) I love it. Well, Sean, we're actually coming to the final few minutes of today's show. I do want to bring it back to you um, and, and sky hive specifically in terms of your company and the culture that you're building. I know the genesis of the company and the story with those women sharing their own story is a really, really beautiful one. How has that impacted your own company culture um, and, you know, activities and processes that you follow, the type of people that you look for to work with you, and maybe some lessons learned or words of wisdom that you could share in that regard to other leaders who might be listening today? Yeah, so um, the other element of the genesis of Skyhive was that, you know, I was a successful kind of corporate leader, and, and this was not something that I had ever kind of aspired to do. This was something where the purpose just fueled it. And so I wanted to create a company that could be wildly successful from a traditional profit perspective, but drive true positive social impact in tandem. And so, uh, and that really is for me a personal legacy piece where I want to show entrepreneurs, you know, after me that you can really do the hard work of making a company that at its core is a good company uh, for the world and is driving positive impact, but also has the opportunity to be wildly successful. And so I I, uh, structured Skyhive as a B corporation. We're a for-profit social impact organization. And I I did that from day one. And, And what this means is even to the corporation level or the governance level, that Skyhive is now obligated to operate both in the interests of shareholders, but also in the interests of society at large. And this is a very important uh, piece because it sets the structure for how the company will scale and evolve over time, whether whether or not I'm involved uh, uh, over time. And so the, the, it is core to our DNA that we're working to both provide you know, a, a technology that's gonna change the world but also uh, a culture that's going to change thinking as to how you build organizations in the future. And and really, it is our uh, number one recruitment tool in the sense that Skyhivers join because of that mission. And we have an unrelenting focus on that that's inherent in our core values as a company um, that's uh, in in everything we do. So um, because of that, it's a flywheel and now Skyhive has become, you know, uh, much bigger than any one person can can impact in the sense that today I simply service my company as its CEO, um, but this company is now its own entity and has its own community. And so I encourage um, everyone to be thought leaders in pick a, an area of reskilling that's of passion, passionate interest to them, and build their own networks and influencing around that. Um, and, uh, it's really the quality of our people is going to determine how fast we can hit our vision of reskilling the world. Um, we've already built the technology, the technology exists, uh, the world is using it. The company is scaling that none of that is a question anymore. Now, what it comes down to is the quality of people and how their hearts and minds connect 
to the vision and mission and purpose of Skyhive. And, and so that's uh, how we, we operate. That's beautiful. And I think that opens up for a whole nother Dojo Live show, an entirely new conversation of how, how you recruit for that, how you build that and how, you know, what that process is. I think that would be a great interest to the audience for sure. But as it stands, we do have to wrap up today. Sean, this has been an extremely insightful and inspirational conversation for us today. I thank you so much for sharing your story in the Sky High, Sky Hive uh, story with us today. We wish you nothing more than success. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, America. Awesome. You're welcome. Please stick around just for one minute as we go off air. But before we do, we'd like to remind you that on Monday we do have our recap show where we will be, we will be sharing with you our thoughts and takeaways from Sean's show and the other two shows that we had this week. Join us on Monday at 10 o'clock Pacific for that. And we'll be introducing, of course, next week's awesome shows as well. And until then, stay safe, everyone. Thank you for now. Bye.